Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Journey Within Podcast. Recording on site again in Ethiopia, this time sitting down with Jason Stone. And versus going over history or anything like that, this is going to focus on two attacks I don't know if attack's the right word, Jason. Two incidents you've had in the field with a buffalo and a lion. And just go over, I guess, the dangers of being a professional hunter. Good morning, Mark. Good to be back. Yeah, so which one Which one do you want to start with, buffalo or lion? I think I'm going to start with a lion one. It's a, it's a fairly long story, so I think let me rumble on. So basically what happened is I was hunting with a Spanish client, and uh, day one of the safari, we sneaking up to a lone buffalo bull i put up the shooting sticks and i tell the client hammer the buffalo on the shoulder and the client looks at me and he says no he's gonna he's gonna shoot it in the neck so i tell him it's, it's not a good idea to shoot the buffalo in the neck rather rather shoot it on the shoulder so boom off goes the shot buffalo hits the ground and it's lying on the ground and it's kicking like a crazy thing i tell the client listen i think you better shoot it again he says no he's not going to shoot it again the buffalo's dead how old is this client? Uh, he must have been in his mid-60s, okay. but he wasn't a very good shot. But we'll get to that uh, <laughs> a little bit later on. So anyway, the buffalo stands up and it takes off like a rocket. So we start following the blood and basically the buffalo gets into a bit of a thicket. And when we get into the thicket, the client looks at me and he says, Jason, you know, this looks a little bit dangerous. I think I am not going to go inside the thicket. So I said to him, no problem, I'll go in and, and sort the buffalo out. So I go into the thicket, and probably an hour later, we find the buffalo, and I shoot it. We get the client to come and have a look and see uh, the buffalo, and he says to me, Jason, this is not my buffalo. <laughs> I said to him, sir, I think you're a little bit confused. This is definitely your buffalo. You see this big hole in the neck? Uh, that was your shot. Remember, I told you rather shoot it on the shoulder. So he said to me, Jason, you shot it. So you should actually put it down as, as, as your buffalo. So I said to him, sir, that's not exactly how it works in Zambia. 
So uh, we're actually going to put this buffalo on your license, and it's 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 your your buffalo. So that's pretty much how we started day one of the safari. It, it started off really well. Anyway, a little bit later on in the safari, probably day six or seven, we had the same buffalo that we shot. It was hanging in a tree, and we had a nice big male lion that hit the bait. So what, what we did is we shot a hippo that morning, and I cut the buffalo down, and we tied it at the base of the tree, and we covered it with grass, and I hung a new piece of, of hippo to freshen the bait up so that the lions would, would have a good time when they arrived. We built a machan, and we probably got into the machan at about 3.30 in the afternoon, just before 6, just as it was getting dark, we had three lionesses come in on the bait. And the client's looking through his rifle scope, and he says to me, Jason, I can see the lion of my dreams. Can I shoot it? So I said, no, 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 hang on. And I'm looking with the binoculars, and all I can see is these three lionesses on the bait. But the, the light is fading now pretty rapidly, and the light's not very good. So the client says to me, Jason, I'm going to shoot the lion. I said to him, no, 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 don't shoot. And I just finished saying, don't shoot, and boom, off goes the shot. What, what caliber rifle was he using? He was using a 375, okay. yeah, a Blaser 375. So anyway, I'm watching the lines and all three of the lionesses run off. And I said to him, what did you shoot? He says to me, Jason, I've shot the lion. It's lying dead at the base of the tree. So I'm looking with the binoculars. Now I'm really concerned. So I get up, stand, part the grass and the machine at the top. And I'm having a really good look with my binoculars. But I can't see anything lying on the ground. I said to him, I, I can't see it. He says to me, Jason, you must be the worst professional hunter that has ever guided me because the lion is dead at the base of the tree. I can see it. Now, your machine, is this elevated machine or are you on the ground? No, it's the elevated okay. machine. We're on the, uh, up, up in a tree, probably 50, 60 yards from the bait. So we climb down the machine and we march on up to the tree. And this guy had shot the buffalo that was lying on the ground. <laughs> in, in his imagination, all of that grass that we had around the buffalo it looked like a big mane to him and and that's what he shot and he said to me jason this is very embarrassing for me I, i'm sorry but please make sure you never tell this to anybody so i said yeah no problem <laughs> <laughs> absolutely and we won't say a word we, we won't say a word to anybody anyway a few days later on we probably day 12 day 13 we had a, 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 another really big male line that hit a bait so same story again we build them shot no, back on that one, after you shot, did those lions not come back to yeah, the Yeah, they, they never gone. came back to the bait. They yep. were gone. Gone for good. We, we never saw that lion again. But like I say, we got uh, another big male lion feeding, and uh, we built the, the machine again, probably 50, 60 yards away. Got into the machine in the afternoon, and same story, just before it got dark, this big male lion comes in by himself, all, all alone. So I tell the client, shoot the lion. When, when you're ready and he's standing nice and still, let him have it. So he puts the rifle through the, the, the shooting hole. And just before he's about to shoot, he looks at me and he says, Jason, I'm going to shoot the lion in the head. So I said to him, no, no, that's not a good idea. Rather shoot him on the shoulder. Um, we've, we've been through this deal before. Rather just play safe, shoot him on the shoulder. So he shoots the lion, but he shoots it low through both of the front legs. Yeah, the lion bounces around and it's growling and it's, it's, it's not a very happy lion at all. So I tell him, listen, buddy, you better shoot it again before he takes off into the long grass. And he says to me, no, Jason, that lion is dead. I've shot him through the heart 
and he's going nowhere. So the lion kind of regains its composure and I see him limping off into the long grass and he goes and he lays down. So I said to the client, listen, that lion's definitely not dead. Um, I think you've shot it a bit low through the shoulder. We're going to have to follow it up. So I call my driver on the radio and tell him, listen, come to the Michon, but don't drive past the bait. Come to the back of the Michon because the lion is lying in the grass and he's not a happy mm. lion. How far is he off from where the bait was? How far did he go? So he probably went about 50, 60 yards from the bait, but the, the grass is really long there. I can just see where he went and where he laid down, and we can't really see him from the Michon. So the cruiser comes, we jump on the back of the cruiser, and uh, we approach the line. And as we're approaching the line, the client says to me, listen, Jason, this is my line. I don't want you to shoot the line. If you shoot the line, I'm not going to be happy. So I said, listen, I'm, I'm not even going to try to shoot it. You carry on and take care of it. So we approach the line, and I set up the shooting sticks again, and the line is lying down. And we can just make out where his shoulder is, and he shoots, and he shoots over the top. The line stands up, he shoots a second time, he shoots underneath the line. The line turns around and it runs off. And while it's running off, he shoots two more times. And both times he missed. So all four, basically all four of those shots, he missed the line completely. So now the light has really faded and it's, it's, it's starting to get really dark. And the line crosses this little swampy area and it goes into this tiny little thicket. And the line is lying in this little thicket. And we can hear him growling. And he's going, and he's, he's not a happy lion. So the client says to me, listen, Jason, you need to go fetch my lion. The hyenas are busy eating it. So you better get in there and get my lion. So I said to him, my friend, that noise that you're hearing is, uh, is not hyenas eating your lion. It's actually the lion, and he's not a very happy lion. So I think what we're going to do is we're going to leave him overnight, and we will come back in the morning and follow him up. So the next morning, we get to the to the spot where the where the line was bedded down. I leave the client on the truck. I take one of my trackers and the game scout, and we go into the thicket. But the line has already left the thicket, so we start tracking the line. Is it are the trackers going off blood or just off tracks? No, no, we're going off mainly blood. And every now and then you see a, a little track here and there. The problem in Zambia is the ground is is very hard, so it's it's tough to see a a, a lion track on it. So the best way is to, is to follow the blood. And what time of year is this? This was June, July, so the grass was still nice and tall. Okay. And there was still a lot of water and all kinds of things around. Lots of cover for the lion. Not not a good time to to be wounding a lion. Anyway, to cut a long story short, we track the lion, and I see it heading to another thicket. And we all know the thicket because we've hunted quite a few buffalo in there. And I tell the trackers, listen. We need to track this line as fast as we can, and hopefully we can catch him before he gets into the thicket. So we track it fast, 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 and uh, just as we're approaching the thicket, I see the line running off in front of us. So I run off to the line to try and catch him and get a shot before he gets into the thicket, but it, he was just too fast. So he gets into the thicket, and we park the cruiser at the thicket, and I go in again with uh, my one right-hand man, old Yusuf Banda. He's been with me for a long time. And we take one of the game scouts and off we go into the thicket. Now, in some places, it is so thick that we can't even stand upright and walk. We have to crawl on our hands and knees. So we get... And the, the client's not with you? No, no. We left the client behind. He said he's not going inside there. And I didn't want him. Uh, he was a pretty, like I said earlier, he was a very bad shot. And I would prefer being mauled by the line than get, getting shot in the back. 
So anyway, we're probably 200 yards into the thicket, and Yusuf is carrying the clients 375, and I've got my double. And Yusuf can see a patch of the line, and he calls me over. He says, Buana, come and, come and have a look here. I can see the line. So I scoot a meter over to where El Yusuf is, and I can just see a patch of the line, just a little yellow piece. I can't see which side the head is. I can't see which side the tail is. So I take the 375 from Yusuf because it's got a scope on it, and I let fly. Boom. Well, the line bounces up and down and around, and it's going berserk inside the thicket, and then probably two minutes later, it's quiet. So now I'm thinking, well, this is pretty good. I've, at least I've got another shot into the line. Hopefully he's dead. So we march on up to where the line was standing when I shot him, and I can smell the guts. Uh, the, a, a line has got a very putrid smell uh, from eating all of that rotten meat. So I knew I'd shot him in the guts, and now I know this line is really not, not a happy line. So I tell Yusuf, listen, go back to the cruiser, make a plan. Let's cut a, a road inside here. It's, it's too thick. Let's try and bounce this line out of the thicket with a land cruiser. How big is the thicket? Now, the thicket is probably 500 meters by 500 meters. Okay. Uh, so it's, it's quite, a, quite a big thicket. Uh-huh. So myself and the game scout stay behind, and Yusuf goes back to, to fetch the land cruiser. While we're waiting for Yusuf to come back with the land cruiser, the scout says to me, Jason, I can hear the lion is busy dying. He's choking on his own blood. Uh-huh. And there was a sausage tree probably about 40, 50 yards in front of us. So I said, well, that's probably a good sign. I, I couldn't hear it. My ears were still ringing from, from all of the gunshots. Yep. So uh, probably about an hour and a half, Yusuf gets the land cruiser to where we are. Uh-huh. And I put both of the trackers on the back of the land cruiser. And I walk in front of the land cruiser to where the the, the scout said he heard the line. Uh-huh. And uh, when we get to the spot, there's no line, there's no blood, there's no nothing. Mm. So I tell the two trackers that are on the back of the cruiser, I walk around to the back of the land cruiser. I tell the trackers, jump off, let's go back to where the last blood was, and we will start tracking it from the last blood. So the two trackers jump off, and they walk maybe 10 yards back in the direction where we came from. Mm-hmm. And the line was lying slightly off to, to, to our right. And we had actually walked right past it, okay. probably about 20, 30 yards. So when these two trackers started walking back towards the line, oh. the line tears out of that bush like a rocket and he's coming straight. So now I've got two trackers between me and the line. So both the trackers turn around and yeah. they run back towards the land cruiser. One tracker passes me on the right, one tracker passes me on the left. Now yeah. this is where I made my first mistake. I should have waited for the line to catch the tracker <laughs> and then shoot the line off, off the tracker because he wasn't charging at me. He was charging at a really bad angle. He was charging at what was running. He was charging yeah. at the tracker that was running. That's the one that, that pretty much got his attention. Well, anyway, like I said, that's where I made my, my first mistake. I should have let the line catch him and uh-huh. then shoot the line off the tracker very quickly. It might, we would have bitten him maybe once or twice. Yep. So anyway... I shoot my first shot at the line, and I see it It went just slightly uh, over the top of the line. Are you shooting a double now? I'm shooting a double okay. double rifle. Okay. So now I'm thinking, this is not good. So the moment that I fired that shot, the line changed direction, and he came straight at me. Uh-huh. So he's now, he's really close. So the second, when, you're, when, a, when a lion's charging, are you aiming right for the head? Yeah, I'm aiming at the center of the little yellow blurry thing that's coming yeah, at yeah. us. He, he comes with a big speed, and as he's coming, he's making a tremendous amount of noise as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the first shot I shot 
just a little over the top and I saw the, 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 the dust kick up over his back and I thought to myself, you're an idiot, you shouldn't have shot. Uh-huh. And like I say, after that shot, the line changed direction and he came straight at me. And my second shot, I hit him through the side of the, the, the basically the side of his head. Uh-huh. The bullet went underneath his eye and it exited on the side of his neck. And uh, with the 470 that I was using and the soft nose bullet, it made quite a big exit. But that line didn't even flinch. It didn't hit him in the brain, so it he had enough the brain. He had adrenaline no going. So much adrenaline going through his, his body, he, he didn't even flinch. Uh-huh. He just came straight on at me, and I knew straight away this line was going to bite me. And that line jumped on top of me, threw me to the ground, and fortunately for me, he grabbed my leg, uh-huh. and uh, he was just biting it and going absolutely crazy. The, the noise that he was making, I've never heard anything quite like it. It was pretty, pretty spectacular. But now, anyway, the client is on the back of the land cruiser and I'm lying maybe 20 yards in front of the land cruiser getting bitten to yeah. pieces and I'm lying on my stomach oh. and I'm looking up at the client and I'm screaming at him, shoot the lion, shoot the lion. Uh-huh. And he doesn't even have a rifle in his hands. He's just looking at me. So I'm thinking this, this is really going to be a bad day. Now, Yusuf, my right-hand man, he was driving. And uh-huh. the tracker that was running away from the line was trying to get into the driver's door, into the safety of the land cruiser. So uh-huh. Yusuf couldn't get out of the driver's door. Uh-huh. This guy was stuck to the driver's door. Yusuf climbed over the gearbox. He climbed out of the passenger door. He ran around. He picked up my rifle and he tried to shoot the line, but there was no bullets uh-huh. in the gun. So he jumped onto the back of the land cruiser, takes the client's 375 that's still in the gun rack, and he hands it to the client and he says to the client, you better start shooting. So now I'm lying on the floor and I'm watching this whole uh, radio going on and I'm thinking to myself, this is, this is really not good. And I can't feel any pain. I just know that this line is biting the living daylights out yeah. of me. So now I'm still screaming at the client, shoot the line. So I'm watching him and he's aiming at the line and his barrel oh. is visibly wobbling all over the place. And uh-huh. I'm thinking, oh man, this is, this is not good. This guy's going to shoot me or he's going to shoot the line, but one of us needs to die. Mm-hmm. So, boom, off goes the first shot, and the line collapses on top of me. And I'm thinking to myself, where have I been shot? And I start pulling myself out from under the line. And just as I get out, the line grabs me with the, with the leg, the front left leg, and he pulls me back in, and he starts biting again. Oh. So, the client shoots again, boom, and he shoots the second time, boom. Uh, so, he shot the line now three times through the body. And, and he hit it all three? Every single shot he hit okay. it, and I cannot tell you how he didn't shoot me, but he, he managed to miss me, which was pretty good. But uh, so now my foot is stuck in the lion's mouth. So Yusuf grabs the lion's mouth and he opens the lion's mouth so that I can get my boot out of its foot. And the client shoots again through the head of the lion and just misses Yusuf's uh, fingers. Probably he shot back. it while he was opening up the he, mouth. He shot it while and the lion's dead, right? The lion's now yeah. finished. He's yeah. dead. So he shoots it the fourth time now through the head. Completely destroys the skull. But luckily, he didn't shoot me and he didn't shoot uh, Yusuf. Oh. So I get up off the ground and there's blood spraying out of my leg like, like a fountain in all directions. And I limp on over to the land cruiser and the client says to me, are you hurt? <laughs> so I said, no, no, this kind of thing happens. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, of course I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I got my satellite phone out of the Land Cruiser and I phoned my wife and I told her, listen, I've just been mauled. Will you arrange a, a charter for me? So she 
got onto the charter people and started arranging that. Um, I got into the Land Cruiser and Yusuf drove us back to the camp. It was a two-hour drive from the, oh, from where I got moved back to the camp. And fortunately for me, I had a good friend, professional hunter, that was in the camp uh-huh. uh, at the time. So when, when I got into camp, he cut my pants off. And uh, there was all kinds of yellow meat hanging out. Bite marks yeah, and bite everything. Yeah, marks and blood and all kinds of stuff. I'll never forget, I was lying on my stomach and I was looking at the back of my uh, leg and there were pieces of yellow fat hanging out of my leg and uh, was just shredded, my leg. So old Ahmed, he grabs some hot water and some dental, which is like a disinfectant, and he says to me, Jason, you are going to hate me, but we need to clean these wounds. So like I say, he cut my, my pants legs off and he takes his finger with a bandage Dips it into the, the water. He takes that finger and he sticks it no. into the puncture uh, wounds in my leg. I nearly went through the roof. Oh. It was the most painful thing I've ever experienced in my life. He said to me, Jason, you're going to hate me, but I need to clean these wounds. Otherwise, you're going to get a really bad infection. Uh-huh. So probably 40 minutes of this doctoring goes on. And he's eventually cleaned all of my wounds and he bandages the whole leg up. Now we've heard that the charter is on the way to come and fetch me from the bush strip. Now it's a, another two hours to drive to get to the to the bush strip where, oh. the, where the charter is going to land. So now it's becoming a really long day. Uh-huh. We've only got pretty mild painkillers in the camp, some panados and aspirin and all the rest of that. So I've taken a whole handful taken of those. Taken those like skittles. Yeah, 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 pretty much. So we drive two hours to the airstrip. Just as we get to the airstrip, the plane lands. I get onto the plane. An hour, 45 minutes back to Lusaka. When I land in Lusaka, my wife called me on the phone and she had already got the doctors from South Africa on the line. So the doctor speaks to me and he says to me, Jason, how does your leg look? So I said, well, it's all bandaged up. There's blood all over the place, but it, it feels good. So the doctor says to me, listen, is there fresh blood seeping through your bandages? So I, I have a look and I say, no, there's there's no fresh blood, but there's, there's a lot of dried blood. Uh-huh. So he says to me, listen here, whatever you do, do not let the doctors in Zambia remove your bandages because you've, got, you've already used 75% of your blood clotting cells. And if they cut you open now, the bandages, and you start bleeding again, yeah. you're going to bleed to death. Uh-huh. They do not have a vascular surgeon in, in, in Lusaka. So we're sending a medical jet now to come and fetch you. Uh-huh. Get on the medical jet, fly fly back to South Africa and we'll sort you out as soon as you land in South Africa. Uh-huh. So we get to the hospital in Lusaka and the doctor comes to me and he's got this form and he says to me, listen, you need to sign this form. So I said, what, what, what am I signing? So he says, no, I'm you signing to give me permission to operate on, on you. So I said, no, no, thank you very much. Uh, there's a medical jet coming uh-huh. and um, I'm going to fly back to South Africa. So they wheel me to one side, one corner of the hospital. Now they're highly offended with me for not wanting them to operate on me. So uh-huh. that was that. Uh, I think I got into Lusaka at 2 o'clock. The medical jet landed at 4. Uh-huh. So they load me up on the med jet. And uh, they won't let us fly off because I've left my passport in the camp. Oh. So now I phone my wife and tell her, listen, you need to run around and find a certified copy of my passport in South Africa so that we can get this plane into the sky. Uh-huh. The, the, the dude from immigration actually came onto the plane and he looked at me and he said, sorry, Mr. Stone, you can't fly because 
you, you don't have a passport and we, we, we don't, we're not going to let you take off. I, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. But anyway, here I am lying on the midget, blood pouring uh-huh. out of my leg all over the show and they won't, won't let me fly. So my wife is running around South Africa trying to find a copy of my passport. She eventually gets a copy of my passport. She has to go to the police station to get it certified. She gets it certified, and now it's probably 9 o'clock in the evening. Uh-huh. So I think we took off from, from Lusaka at 10 o'clock. We got to South Africa at, I think, 11 or 11.30. Uh-huh. And then they started operating on me at like 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. So it was a, a really long day. Wow. WTA Tags is a full-service licensing program available to today's sportsmen. Bottom line, they help hunters draw the very best limited-entry big-game tags. They offer professional consultation on where to apply and then properly complete and submit your applications to the state. Tags has the easiest, most reliable, and most complete service to assist you in drawing that tag of a lifetime. For a free tags consultation, call 1-800-755-8247 or visit them online at WorldwideTrophyAdventures.com slash tags. That's WorldwideTrophyAdventures.com slash tags. From my Upland Slam in 2019 to the South America Waterfall Slam in 2022, anytime I'm headed on a wing shooting adventure, I'm always picking up my Benelli shotgun. If you want to dominate the skies, shoot a Benelli. See their full line of Benelli shotguns online at BenelliUSA.com or drop into a retailer near you. Worldwide Trophy Adventures is your ultimate outdoor connection. Good hunting ground is becoming increasingly difficult to find, and the only way to ensure access to the best areas and operations is to spend a ton of time, effort, and money to research these destinations. Worldwide Trophy Adventures does all of this legwork for you and at no charge. By booking your trip through WTA, you can rest assured that you'll be in a great location with a reputable outfitter that they have certified and endorsed. If you're looking to book that trip of a lifetime, make sure to give the team at WTA a call at 1-800-346-8747 or check out their website at WorldwideTrophyAdventures.com. No matter where I'm hunting in the world, I'm always wearing my Mindel boots. I guess you could say that I sort of live in my Mindel hunting boots. And right now at MindelUSA.com, you can use promo code MPJOURNEY to get a free pair of socks when you order up a pair of boots. Again, that's promo code MPJOURNEY at MindelUSA.com. Now back to the journey within. So how what, what was the operation? What did they have to end up doing? Well, they put in 167 staples to close all of the holes on my, my right leg, and they did three skin grafts um, to cover all of the holes. Uh-huh. So I was in hospital for a month. It was a, it was a long, painful experience. Uh, the, the worst damage was my meniscus on my, my right knee. Uh-huh. And I was supposed to get it sorted out, but I've never really had time to get it done and dusted. Uh-huh. So nowadays, if I walk really a, a long way, I... Uh, I struggle a little bit. Starts to hurt it a little starts bit. Starts to to hurt a little bit, but that's pretty much my my line story. So when your when the pH took the antibiotic and stuff and cleaned the holes, mm-hmm. was that a correct move? Did the doctor say that was? Yeah, that was a very good thing to do. You okay. Know, um, the, the the good thing about having the professional hunter in the camp was he had medical experience, uh-huh. which is all of us have got medical experience. We all have to do a first aid course mm-hmm. in case something like this happens. 
So what he did was 100% correct. If he had have left those wounds uncleaned and dirty like that, I would have had a much worse infection. Uh. So he did a fantastic job. And the other thing that he did really well was the way that he bandaged up my leg. He stopped a lot he of the bleeding, bleeding very, very rapidly. And that, that probably saved my life. Wow. So, so that was a was a very very good thing. So a month in the hospital. Then what was what was the actual recovery till you were back? Yeah, I was I was in hospital for a month, and then I had a, a leg brace on, and I, I'll never forget my first hunt. After that, I was hunting a Sitatunga in the uh-huh. Banguela Swamp, and uh, I limped in there with my crutches and my leg brace on, and it was a I'll never forget. It was a tough hunt because we're walking through that swamp. Oh, it's, yeah. it's not so easy. And, um, yeah, from there, I, I, I made a pretty quick recovery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, have you hunted with that client again? No. Never no. again. <laughs> never again. <laughs> never again. I think we shot something like 24 animals on that safari. Uh-huh. And of those 24 animals, I think he probably shot one or two himself. The rest I had to help him with. Okay. He, he really did not shoot very well at all. So, did he talk to you at all after yeah, he never called me uh, once uh, in the hospital to ask me how I was going or, or anything like that. Uh, straight after that, that hunt, he actually flew to Banguelu, and my brother took over the hunt, and uh, he went to hunt Siratunga. He continued his safari after that? Yeah, they, they continued their safari. Clinton flew in and took over, took over the safari, and uh, they actually got stuck in Banguelu. Uh-huh. And... Uh, from there, they were flying to Zimbabwe to go and hunt elephants. Uh-huh. So they were late to get back to their charter. So when their charter landed in Zimbabwe, the people that came to fetch him at the airstrip to take them to the camp to go and hunt the elephant had already gone back to the camp. Uh-huh. They thought he wasn't coming anymore. So that was the only time he phoned me up in the hospital. And he phoned me up and shout all over me to tell me that the people had not come to fetch him at the airstrip with Clinton. So I had the satellite uh, phone in the, in, in the hospital with me that was still with my bags and things, and I called the, uh, the, the, the camp, and I got them to send a vehicle. I think the vehicle got there to pick them up at around 10 o'clock in the night, uh-huh. and he was very unhappy about that. Um, at the end of the safari, he actually sent me an email, and he said, listen, Jason, I'm not paying any of the trophy fees because of the inconvenience of waiting on the airstrip uh, with my wife until 11 o'clock, I felt unsafe. And because of that, um, I'm not paying you for any of the trophy fees. He shot a 75-pound elephant bull in Zimbabwe. Wow. So I said to him, I sent an email back to him, and I said, listen, no problem. What I'm going to do is I'm going to sell your trophies and recover the trophy fees. So thank you very much. Uh-huh. And two days later, the trophy fee money showed up, showed up in my account. Uh-huh. And that was pretty much the last I ever spoke to him so that was a long safari then if you were bouncing from zambia with the lion hunt it sounded like 21 days there and then to zim to Earl. yeah it was a 28 day 28 day hunt and i think i was mauled on day 17 uh, day 17 of the safari yeah yikes that is yeah I, you mentioned the medical experience so all phs have a medical experience because i know you've got like in the land cruiser you got a med bag and then mm-hmm. i've seen them at camp and so forth all over the place yeah, we always carry the basic necessities. So if you've got uh, a serious wound and you're bleeding a lot, we've got that stuff that you pour inside there to yep. help clot the, the blood up. We've got stitches and we've all got all the basic sort of first aid kit. We've got bandages and all kinds of things. And what year was this? This was 2010. And if I remember correctly, it was the 10th of June or the 10th of July, okay. 2010. 2010. So when was the buffalo then? Let's move on to the buffalo. The buffalo was 2019. That was not so long ago. Okay. 
we were actually following a, a, a lone buffalo bull. And uh, just as we caught up to the bull, it broke and it ran into a thicket. And there were two other bulls that we hadn't seen. And these two bulls ran into the thicket with, with the one that we were originally following. So there, there were three buffalo that ran into the thicket. So I had the shooting sticks in my hand. And normally yeah. when you go into a thicket, I normally take my rifle from the tracker. Mm -hmm. and uh, Because sometimes you, you never know what you're going to bump into. Maybe yep. you bump into an elephant or you, you just never know. And was this in Zambia too? This was also in Zambia, okay. Upper Lupande. So anyway, we march into the thicket and we haven't gone very far. And I'm holding the shooting sticks and I can see a buffalo cow standing behind a tree and she's just looking straight at me. Mm -hmm. So we all stop and we, we're watching her. And she makes this little grunt. She goes, Bleh, and she comes. So now she's charging straight at us, but there's quite a big tree in the middle between us, mm -hmm. between us and the buffalo. And when she gets to the tree, she kind of peels off around the tree, and I thought she was going to run past us to yeah. the right. The whole time she was coming, I didn't even try and reach for my rifle because I thought she was going to veer off. Yep. So she comes around the tree, and she puts her head down, and she comes straight at us. Now I know we've got a problem. Uh -huh. So behind me, I've got the client, and behind the client is the client's friend who's an observer, and behind him is the tracker with my rifle. Uh -huh. I'll never forget, I turned around to grab my rifle, and I remember the tracker holding my rifle towards me, and just as I was going to grab it, that's the last thing I remember. That buffalo hit me from behind, boom, with, a, with one of her horns, uh -huh. and knocked me out cold flat. I had no idea who I was, what I was doing. Where did the horn hit you at? Right on the back of my oh, head. Oh, on the back of your head. Okay. Yeah, she split my, my skull open. And, and like I said, I hit the ground and I was knocked out. I was completely unconscious. So fortunately for me, what happened is the buffalo chased one of the trackers, not the tracker that had my gun. Uh -huh. He went off in one direction. The clients went off in another direction. And the buffalo cow actually chased the one tracker around a pony tree probably five or six times trying to get a hold of him and, and that's pretty much what saved me because I was lights out on the ground if she had given me a working over uh -huh. it would have been a lot worse it, than what it was and you got lucky it didn't step on you after it yes. hit you and ran past too very very much so so uh, while the buffalo was chasing the tracker around the tree the tracker noticed that the buffalo was all scratched up and obviously a lion had, had attacked uh, it and that's why she was so grumpy gotcha so anyway she lost interest in the tracker and eventually ran off. And the trackers came back to me. And like I say, I was still lights out. Uh -huh. I was probably out for 15 minutes. They were trying to get me to come to. They thought they thought I was dead. It yeah. was just a big pile of blood all around me. Uh -huh. So eventually I came to and um, I, I didn't know who I was or what I was doing or nothing. So I asked the trackers, what, what are we doing here? Uh -huh. And the tracker said, no, you've been run over by a buffalo, and that's why you're bleeding. So I said, well, give me my rifle. Let's go and kill this damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, they said, no, Buena, that's not a good idea. We need to get you to a hospital. Uh -huh. So we got onto the cruiser, drove back to the main camp, which is about an hour's drive. I'll never forget, they put a whole bunch of cushions on the ground for me to lie down, and I, I destroyed all of those cushions with all of the blood that uh -huh. was pouring out of my head. And there was a doctor in Mfui, an, an English doctor. Uh -huh. So we called up the, the lodge where she was staying and told her the story. So she said, well, come on over quickly while we arrange the uh, medjet called the medical plane to come and fetch you from, uh -huh. from Mfui. So I went and saw her. 
and she had a look at my skull and everything. She said, it doesn't seem to be too bad. So now, while we're driving to see the doctor, I'm on the back of the Land Cruiser on a whole bunch of cushions and things, and the client's on the back of the vehicle with me, and he's telling me, Jason, I can see your brain. You better phone your wife and tell her you're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he was in complete panic mode, yeah? <laughs> complete panic mode. So I'm feeling the back of my head with my hand, and I'm thinking to myself, but it, it doesn't feel this bad at all. I, I can feel it. Uh -huh. cut and there's blood running down all over my face and all over the rest of it. So I told him, listen, just relax, calm down, everything's going to be going to be fine. And uh -huh. he's telling me, Jason, no, it's not going to be good. <laughs> you are dying. I'm telling you, a human being cannot lose this much blood and uh -huh. still be alive. Phone your wife, get a helicopter. Uh -huh. Get a helicopter, get a helicopter, get a helicopter. So I told him, listen, I think everything's going to be okay. Uh -huh. Just, just remain calm so we got to to the doctor and through and she had a look at my head and she said you're all pretty banged up we're gonna have to get you to 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 do a, a cat scan so from Mfui we flew to Lusaka we got to Lusaka and I marched into to the hospital and there was a Pakistani doctor uh -huh. and he looked at me and he shaved off with my head and he stitched it all up and then they put me in the cat scan machine uh -huh. and and that was terrible I, I didn't enjoy that at all but when I came out, he said to me, Jason, he said, you know what? You've got a really, really big brain. This was the Pakistan, uh, Pakistani doctor. So I said, well, thank you for, for telling me that. <laughs> but what is the damage like? He says, Jason, I'm telling you, you've got a really good brain. It's just a pity you don't use it. Because <laughs> <laughs> what you are doing is stupid. <laughs> so they kept me in hospital overnight and they gave me a few injections in my stomach to make sure that there's no blood clots and all the rest yeah. and uh, lunchtime i got onto the uh, uh, commercial flight back to the bush and uh, carried on with the hunt when when i got back to camp the clients were still drunk from the night before they <laughs> they were so happy to see me and everything was good so, uh -huh. so that's pretty much my my buffalo and that those clients hunted with you before um those clients were actually wt WTA clients, your okay. clients, yeah. Okay. So they've hunted with me. Uh, that was their first hunt, and then they're coming back again. Let's try to keep it not quite as exciting for yeah, them the next time they come back. Yeah, we're going to try and keep it a little less entertainment for them, yeah. But you were back the next day. Yeah, Did I was back in camp. And there was just stitches, no staples? No, no, they just gave me some stitches, and they shaved a big patch of hair off the back of my head. Uh -huh. And, uh, yeah, it looked quite bad. But anyway, I got a bit of an infection from from... Mm from the from the wound and um, fortunately the clients that flew in after that had really good antibiotics with me gotcha. or with them and gave them to me and they actually pulled the stitches out of my head uh, around the campfire one morning mm. that was probably the most painful experience of, of the whole deal that's what i was going to ask is how the staples got or the stitches got out yeah and i assume they had no medical experience no no medical <laughs> experience whatsoever there were uh, two clients we were doing a, a two by two leopard hunt and the one client looked at me and he said jason i think we should take these stitches out so i said well carry on yeah and let me tell you he wasn't gentle he took his leatherman <laughs> and he cut those uh, stitches with his leatherman and he just pulled them out well, the quicker the better, right? Yeah, absolutely. Just get it over with. So, yeah, he did that. Uh, I think I had 15 or 16 stitches in my head, and he pulled them all out there around the campfire. Oh. It was uh, good times. Yikes. So what have, what have you learned from the lion and the buffalo? That, uh, like in the field, the, the, I know you said the, 
you messed up because you shot when the line wasn't coming at you. So, like, what else did you learn from those experiences? Yeah, I think the biggest mistake that I made on, on, on the line issue was when we were following the line and uh, the game scout said to me, I can hear the line dying behind the sausage tree. We should never have gone straight to where yeah. they heard it. We should have carried on following the track. Mm-hmm. Because when we're following up on a wounded animal, it doesn't really ma- matter w- which one we're following up. We've got a, a tracker to the right of me and I'll have a tracker to the left of me. Yep. But there won't be a tracker in front of me. Uh-huh. So when I walked around to, to the back of the land cruise and I told the two trackers to jump off and let's go back to the, to the last blood, they were walking in front of me and that mm-hmm. was, was a big mistake. Gotcha. If we had have carried on following the blood, uh, they would have been on my side, and when the line came, I would have had a much clearer shot, and I wouldn't have been rushed. Uh, yep. When when those trackers passed me, when the line was charging, I was in, uh, I was really rushed to, uh-huh. to to take the shot, and that's why I think I messed up on on the shot. Okay. Uh, before that, I'd been charged quite quite a number of times by lines, and uh-huh. I always managed to put them down fairly easily. And I think you build up a false sense of security when things like this happen, and you, uh-huh. you w- almost think you've become bulletproof. Yep. And uh, so you 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 become complacent, mm-hmm. and uh, that's where I think a, a professional hunter can make a big mistake. Gotcha. What about too complacent. What about on the buffalo? On the buffalo, what I should have, should have done was had my rifle in my hand. What they teach you in professional hunter school is the moment you get off the vehicle, you must carry your own rifle. Mm-hmm. And we also become very blasé and very complacent, and we hand the rifle to, to the tracker, and we man the shooting sticks. Yep. It's very difficult to, to put up the shooting sticks and hold your rifle and blast the animals. That's so, impossible, yeah. So normally when I get to, to a thicket, I will always grab the rifle and give the shooting sticks to, to one of the trackers and then carry on with the rifle. But on this particular case, because the buffalo was so close, I thought we weren't going to go in very far uh-huh. into the thicket and we'll be able to get a, a, a chance. Yep. And obviously we bumped into that buffalo cow, which became a bit of a problem. And just happenstance mm-hmm. that she had been messed with with the lion and was yeah, just if, ordinary. If, if I had my rifle in my hand, she would never have reached us. Mm-hmm. She would have been shot right, right in the face. It would have been game over. Now, you said you've had some other close calls. Uh, lions, you said. Any other close buffalo calls? What other? Yeah, in, in my career, I think I've been hunting for 25 seasons. I think in those 25 years, I've shot well over 400 buffalo. We've done probably close to 100 lions, uh-huh. over 100 leopards. So we've had quite a few close encounters in the past, but we've never, ever had something reach me yeah the first one was the lion obviously and then the second one was was the buffalo the thing mm-hmm. is if you're a dangerous game professional hunter and you do this on a regular basis it's basically just a matter of time yep. before something gets to you yep. um, but the thing is you've got to learn from your mistakes and try and get be- better at not making those same mistakes again have you had any close calls with elephants Oh, we've had many, many, many close calls with elephants. Yeah. So when you're hunting elephants, you get uh, revved by the elephant cows regularly. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how many times we fired warning shots um, at elephants in my career, but it's it's a lot. We even had an elephant cow hit one of our land cruisers. Mm-hmm. I was uh, driving, and we always uh, drill the clients on what to do when, when something charges. Yep. And uh, the client took his rifle out of the gun bag when the elephant came, but he froze and he, he couldn't fire a warning shot. Yeah. 
And that elephant hit the side of the Land Cruiser. She bounced off it, turned around, and fortunately for us, she, she ran off. I flew out of the Land Cruiser, jumped up onto the back and got my gun. By that time, she was, she was already gone. out of there. And most of the time when you fire that warning shot at their feet, they, they turn and go. Yeah, most of the time what we do is uh, some PHs will shoot over the top of the head, but I find that that doesn't always stop them. Uh-huh. So what I like to do is I like to shoot the ground in front of them, and it makes a big dust cloud, and nine times out of ten it will stop the, stop the elephant from charging. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. In, in my career I've only shot one elephant in self-defense. We mm-hmm. were... We were sneaking up to a bull to try and see what, what the ivory looked like in pretty thick brush, and we had a, a client with a bow and arrow, and that bull swung around, and he just came like a freight train. Yeah, and I awesome. fired a warning shot in the in the ground in front of him. He just ran through that dust cloud, and yeah, I shot him, shot him in the brain, and we dropped him probably at seven or eight paces. I've got a sort of a ten-yard cutoff line. Uh-huh. If something crosses that ten-yard line then that's, we shoot to kill that's game yeah, over. we don't we don't play around anymore yeah so on the on the leopards and lions that you've had close calls on was it bad it was bad initial shots is what that yeah most of the time to... is uh when you when you've got a uh, client that doesn't have a lot of experience in hunting and they they get into the blind uh, they get a little nervous we often i actually have to put my hand over the scope because i can see the the, the rifle visibly shaking uh-huh and we just tell them, enjoy the moment, just take relax. it easy, relax, mm-hmm. breathe. And sometimes the excitement is so so intense for the client that they they, they, they make a bad shot. Yep. And that's what it really boils down to. Or they shoot the animal that's on the bait while it's moving. Yeah. So uh, it, it shouldn't be easy to, to mess up a shot on, on, on a bait. Mm-hmm. It does happen from time to time. Because when a lion comes to a bait, it's not there for... A couple minutes it's usually there for no, a while he's there for hours yeah and the same thing with a leopard i mean when a leopard comes in he's there for 15 20 minutes he'll jump out of the tree and half an hour later he'll be back again for 15 20 minutes so uh-huh. you've got a lot of time to really take your time and, and wait for the right shot the thing with a lion and a leopard is if you wound a lion and a leopard probably 95 out of 100 when you follow them up i'm talking about if it's been wounded yep. badly Mm-hmm. If it's been wounded really badly, 95 out of 100 lion and leopards are going to charge you. They're going to back in somewhere. They're going to back in somewhere nice and thick. They're going to wait for you to come, and they are going to charge you. Yep. It's, it's just a matter of time. Uh-huh. Whereas if you wound a buffalo or an elephant, probably 95 out of 100, they're going to try and run away from you. It's only gotcha. 5 out of 100 that are actually going to charge you. With the cats, it's completely the, the, the other way around. Gotcha. Yeah, so it's, it's it's not a good thing to wound cats because you know you're gonna have you're gonna you're gonna have a problem getting something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think I've heard you say Africa isn't for sissies, right? Africa was definitely not, <laughs> not made for sissies. Not no, for sure. sissies. No. Well, perfect. Thanks for going over those stories. I know all the listeners are gonna have. I mean, that's completely different from anything else we've had on here before, and and interesting to break down the details of it. But yeah, so the the takeaway from here, Africa isn't for sissies. But if you have a chance to come over here. Um, I've hunted a lot of dangerous game with Jason, and it is uh, one heck of an experience and life-changing event, really, by the time it's all over. So, thanks, Jason. Thank you for having me, Mark. Yep. Always a pleasure. Thanks for all your support and downloads. If you like this episode, please go and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, as that always helps. Do you want to book that hunt of a lifetime? Then give the team at Worldwide Trophy Adventures a call at 1-800-346-8747. Or if you want to start a tags portfolio for those limited entry tags, 
Give the team a call at 1-800-775-8247. Enjoy your journey.